Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother, Rustin, and we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. And it has been a huge weekend for athletics in, in Knoxville and Tennessee. Uh, this weekend, the Lady Vols were supposed to play today, but they got rained out. Um, so that, that uh, eliminated that game from our discussion this evening. However, apparently Tennessee's ice hockey team I don't even know what this is, but I'm going to I'm going to read it. I'll I'll share my screen so everybody can see it. We have a championship on our hands today. Uh let's see here. I do not know what this is, so if somebody can let us know that would be great. I'm not super in you know into college hockey, so I don't know what this is. But Tennessee Hockey, this is the official Twitter account of the Tennessee Hockey team. Uh, they said Tennessee hockey is your 2024 college hockey South champions. Hashtag hockey top. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means. South champions. Uh, it says 15 years in the making division two champions. So whatever it is, it's good. Uh, but what it is specifically, I don't know. Um, hey, we got a championship on Rocky top. So Zach, if you're joining us tonight, Oh, he is Zach's here. Uh, he said, go big orange, uh, VFL. Um, so Zach said, uh, Hey Zach, you told us you, you expect multiple national championships on Rocky top in 2024. Well, as far as I know, this is the first one, buddy. <laughs> uh, so that happened this weekend. Uh, the lady Vols, they also played today and they won 86, 61. There's their, uh, post game graphic. Uh, yeah, at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, that's just a 25-point win. That's a huge win. But primarily, we're here to talk about, uh, well, the, the baseball team's playing right now, actually. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mino Likey said, even in Volbros and the chat, welcome to Mino Likey. Good to have you with us. Uh, Pooley Productions said, hey, it's Chase. Uh, welcome. Good to have you with us. Uh, let's see. Zach said he can predict the future. So, <laughs> uh, he's right that we had at least one, uh, at least one national championship. And, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the men's basketball team yesterday. A uh, huge win, huge win also against Vanderbilt. Uh, do you like what I did? Did you see the thumbnail? Did you, did you see that? I didn't see it. I said Vols slammed the doors. See what I did yep. there? That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> so, Rustin, what was your main takeaways from what we saw yesterday? I uh, thought the unselfishness was really impressive. When this team shares the ball, they are really hard to beat. Um, I mean, what else can you say? With 12 minutes left in the game, it was 70 to 30. I mean, just an absolute beat down from start to finish. I thought what was really impressive was it became infectious. Even when we started emptying the bench, um, those guys came in and competed really hard. Tobe Awaka gave great minutes. He had nine points, um, only three rebounds, but I felt like there was a few others that he created for other people that he probably should have gotten credit for. Um, you know, Cameron Carr is the second coming of Dominique Wilkins. Um, there is no shot that he isn't willing to take at any time. Uh, but you know, you did. We did get to see he got extra minutes. He played 13 minutes. We got to see kind of what he's going to be in Knoxville over the next few years, and you know what he is is a crazy athletic shooter who 
Um, you know, honestly, if he continues to develop, he could kind of mold into Dalton Connect's role. He he loves to he loves to take shots. He takes them confidently. He has no conscience about it. And um, you know, I thought I thought he gave great minutes, playing really hard. Um, you know, there was just so many contributions. Josiah and Santi both were were on track and playing well. Um, I thought it was really funny um, with about eight or nine minutes left in the game. Tobey went to the table to check in for Jonas Adu. And at that time, Jonas had seven points and he saw Tobey go to the table. And the next two times he touched the ball, he shot it. Um, <laughs> he knew he knew his night was done. And if he was going to get to double figures, he had to do it himself before that horn sounded. Um, and he has <laughs> next two shots to make to make it 11 and get to double figures. Um, but it was just that kind of night for the Vols. Like every everything that could possibly go right did. Um, Vanderbilt looked completely out of sync. Uh, I think Jerry Stackhouse has officially lost the locker room. They look like those guys look like they don't care anymore. They're not like once they got down, they just quit. And, um, you know, it's probably a short term deal for, uh, for Jerry Stackhouse. I think the other thing that really stood out was Jordan Ganey was 0 for 6 from the field and it didn't matter. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of guys step up and, and make some massive contributions and, um, shot the ball really well, other than Jordan Ganey, um, shot the ball really well. We were 48% from the field, 45% from three, which is pretty stinking impressive when you think that Jordan Ganey was over six from the field and over four from three. So he actually hurt our percentages pretty significantly. Um, we would have probably been over 50% in both if he hadn't stepped on the court. So, you know, when a guy like that's having a horrible night and you still put up those kinds of numbers, it's a good night. Uh, yeah, Zach said there's nothing special. It was Vandy. Ganey only had one point the whole night. Yep, that's right. It was a free throw. Uh, so my main takeaways from the game, a lot of the same stuff you said. I love, I love seeing Cam Carr get that many minutes in the second half. You played over half of the second half. And, um, you know, obviously he's known as an offensive player. They mentioned in the game he was a top 60 recruit coming out of high school last year. But defensively, he altered shots. He made a couple really nice blocks. Uh, he was aggressive. So that was great to see. Uh, anytime – so this this is what baffled me about yesterday. Anytime you can get your 10th and 11th man on the team, anytime you can get them – three minutes in a game that's great that's really good when you're getting them like cam Carr, for example 13 minutes in a game <laughs> and you're and you're you're emptying your bench at the five minute four to five minute mark yeah we had a walk on play four minutes last night and then you know you might think okay well who are they playing like you know Furman or somebody, which I mean, Furman's pretty decent, but, um, you know, no, 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 this was a, an SEC game and you're being able to do all that stuff. That's crazy. Uh, that, I mean, that is, that is unreal that they were able to do. They were, like you said, they're up 70 to 30 at one point in an SEC game. That's, that's unheard of. And so that was my main takeaway was, yeah, you, you hear about dominating performances, but then you hear about 
dominating performances. And that was a dominating performance. Uh, let's see. Zach said, so the broadcast compared Tobey to Dennis Rodman. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison. You, you're, you're right. You called it, Zach. You're the first person to ever mention that. Um, I loved, uh, like you said, I loved how they shared the ball. We've said on this show multiple times now that Dalton's going to get his points. That like That's going to happen, whether he's hitting from the outside or driving to the basket or both. He's going to find a way to get points. And so we've said multiple times on this show, if you can have two other guys, preferably Jonas being one of them, but if he can score 10 points or more, and then between Josiah, Santi, Jordan Ganey, and Zakai, if of those four guys, if you can have just one other guy score 10 or more points, nobody's going to beat Tennessee. And that's what we saw again. Uh, you know, it was wonderful to see Santi hit four threes yesterday. That was awesome. Um, so it, it, they are, when they have at least three guys score double digits, they're going to win like that. And that's, that's the reality of the situation. So, um, very exciting. Now we're going to move on to some tougher questions. I'm going to save play of the game for last. Cause in my opinion, that's the most difficult question. Uh, Rustin, you know, player is pretty tough too, actually. I mean, everybody could say Dalton, but, um, Rustin, who was your player of the game? And y'all let us know in the comments who your player of the game was, uh, against Vanderbilt last night. So in only 18 minutes, five of seven for the field for 13 points, seven rebounds and three steals, two assists. Just absolutely. I mean, that's in 18 minutes, 13.7 rebounds and three steals in 18 minutes. Josiah Jordan James came out and just set the tone from the beginning. I think he had five of our first eight looked very confident, was doing all the little things. Well, um, I, I just, I felt like he just did a fantastic job coming out and saying, this is how it's going to be today. And was just an absolute tone setter. Well, I like your pick better than mine, actually. <laughs> um, I was going to, my pick was Santi just because it was good to see him hitting shots again. Yeah. Um, you know, he hit the second three of the game or the third one. So first possession was Dalton. And then I think Josiah hit the second three of the game and then Santi hit the third and the fourth. Um, you know, that was like almost, almost back-to-back possessions from the same spot on the court in the first half there. He hit back-to-back threes. So that was very, very encouraging to seeing him hit those. I know that he probably felt, you know, a confidence boost from hitting those as well. And he crossed over 1,500 points for his career, which is just an insane number. Um, you know, obviously he had a little bit more time than most uh, to accomplish that, but Nevertheless, 1,500 points in a career is absolutely incredible. Uh, let's see. Uh, Zach said Santi was his player of the game as well. Zach's giving us baseball updates. I appreciate that, Zach. Uh, we're going to get to baseball here in just a minute. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing that. Keep it up, buddy. Um, Zach's asked, how many threes did we end up with? I stopped counting after 10. Do you have that in front of you, Rustin? I don't have that in front of me. Yeah, I do. Um, we were We were 14 for 31 pretty dang good at one point i think it was actually it was either late in the first half or early in the second half we were 52 percent from three which is unheard of i mean that's just incredible 
Well, think of it this way. We scored as many points from the three-point line as Vanderbilt did for the entire game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ricky said, uh, Bob and JJJ, they are key in advancing to Final Four. Uh, Ten plus from each is over for the field. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, here, here's the thing. Ricky totally is agreeing with what we were saying just a minute ago. If they get two guys, if they get two guys to, and like I said, it really could be two, two of five. Cause I, I mean, Jemai, he's going to come in and play awesome defense, but I don't think you can count on him to get 10 plus points a game. I, I don't think that's realistic, mm-hmm. but I think of Santi, Josiah, Jonas, Zakai and Jordan Ganey, I think you can count on it. You should be able to count on at least two of those five guys to get you at least 10 points a game. And if that happens, nobody can, nobody can keep up with Tennessee. If that happens, that's just the reality of the situation. That's, that's their recipe for success. And Ricky's exactly right. Um, I think that another element to that is, we're going to see how important Zakai is come March because he's got to be the one that is making free throws. Santi needs to start making free throws more consistently. And honestly, Dalton needs to make free throws more consistently. Um, you know, they, they, Santi and Dalton both have kind of struggled from the line lately. Uh, you know, Santi used to be the guy who he was like over 90% from the free throw line. If there was a technical foul, he was the one being put on the line. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, last time there was a technical foul, Zakai was the one who was put on the line, and Santi was in the game at the time. So we need those guys to all be hitting free throws because late in games in March, that's when you really win or lose if you can make late game free throws. And so it's very, very important for the ball handlers to be able to make those shots. Uh, Zach said, Meshack is like Toby, great defense, okay offense. Yeah, that's fair. Um Zach said, yeah, Vescovy used to be the best at free throws. Um, and we need to get back to that for sure. So this this one was tougher for me. So I'm going to let you go first because if I like yours better than mine, I'm going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> um, play of the game. And y'all let us know in the comments what your play of the game was. And I might steal yours because I was very undecided on this. Uh, what was your play of the game? Um, I'm going to go with the play at the end of the first half that they ran to get Santi a wide open three. Uh, it was a transition decision. Um, they just did a good job moving the ball. It, it was clearly a set call in transition and, and got Santi a perfect look and the, one of the spots he loves. And he knocks a three down right before the end of the first half, which made it 51 to 20. And it almost felt like, okay, there's the dagger. Like this thing's already over. It's halftime and Vanderbilt's already done. Um, you know, if he had missed that, maybe Vandy goes in with a little bit of, you know, confidence. Okay, we're, we're going to reset here. We're going to get this thing rolling. But they went in the locker room with, we can't stop these guys. And, and I felt like they came out and played in the second half. Like we can't stop these guys. Um, you know, so. That's mine. Um, love, loved that. Love that possession. Um, thought they did a really, really good job sharing the ball all night. I think that's a great one. Uh, Zach said his play of the game was Zakai's pass to Santi, and it was another three. 
Um, that was the rap pass. That was the one I almost yeah. went with um, where Zakai clearly, like, I think that honestly, I think it was a set call um, because Zakai clearly knew where Santi was going to be. And if you watch, third three of the game. Yeah. And if you watch typically when Tennessee drives, they go with the hammer pass where they drive and kick it to the opposite corner. But if you watch as soon as Zakai started driving, Vanderbilt's defender sunk to the baseline. So clearly Tennessee knew Vandy was going to take away that hammer pass down the baseline and Santi was left wide open. And you, I mean, you tell from the minute he started driving, Zakai was clearly not going to take that shot. He was going to wrap pass it to the opposite, opposite wing. And he, I mean, just a gorgeous pass hit him right in his shooting pocket. It was, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. So, I had three different plays that I was struggling to decide between. I have picked one, but one of them was a sequence of plays and it was the back-to-back threes by Santi in the first half from essentially the exact same spot on the wing on the court. Mm -hmm. That was one of them. My second one was actually a play that apparently the Tennessee hoops, Twitter account or X account, whatever you call it. uh, also liked this one because they tweeted it out. So, there was a, a pass across the court. It was a terrible pass. Uh, Jemai did a good job of going up and catching it and saving the pass. But then he, the ball movement, he kicks it, you know, crosses the court to Jemai. He catches it on the wing, passes it to, I think, Zakai in the corner. It might have been Jordan Ganey. And when he swung it to the corner, Tobey Awaka on the block sealed his man high and had the entire baseline to himself and a direct path to the goal. Zakai made a fantastic entry pass to him into the post, bounce pass. He got it off and just immediately went straight up and just threw it down two-handed. It was beautiful. Uh, the seal that he got on that post player, and then the, the beautiful entry pass. It was just great basketball. That's why I loved it. Um, just really, really good basketball. So that was, and then just an awesome finish. I mean, man, just slamming it down. So that was also one, but I think my play of the game goes to Jemai Meshack and somebody, I don't remember who it was, uh, drove the baseline, got caught in the air. I think it may have been Dalton actually, who drove the baseline, got caught in the air, passed it to Jemai in the corner. Um, Jemai drives the, to the basket, goes up and under the basket and lays it in on the other side of the basket. It was beautiful. Uh, that up and under layup, that was my play of the game. Uh, it was just, it was fantastic, fantastic play. So that was, that was my play of the game. Some of the folks in the comments said, uh, Mino Likey, uh, she said that she agreed on that pass from Zakai to Santi. Uh, she loved that one for Santi's third three of the game. Uh, let's see, Sean, welcome, Sean. Good to have you, buddy. He said, is Jemai Meshack a junior or a sophomore? He is a junior. Um, so he, he still has some eligibility left after this year. Technically two years. Cause he has a senior year and his COVID year. Um, so, uh, any other basketball related things? I will say this, I will say this before we move on to baseball. Um, I don't think we will ever know. And unfortunately I don't think it, it's a quantifiable thing. So that's why we won't know. But I do think it was when you look at Tennessee's upcoming schedule, 
uh, y'all, it's crazy from here to the end of the season. I mean, they have just, just absolutely maybe the hardest schedule in the country from this point forward. Um, they have somewhat of a reprieve. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday when they go to Missouri? Tuesday. So when they go to Missouri on Tuesday, you can kind of count that as a, as a reprieve, I guess. Um, but they gave, it's still a road game in the SEC and they gave yeah. Ole Miss all they wanted. Absolutely. Ole Miss was winning at halftime in that game, actually. Missouri. And so, I mean, I'm sorry. Missouri was winning at halftime in that game. So that is not going to be an easy victory by any means. But when you look at the schedule after that game, whoa, man, it gets really tough uh, for the rest of the season. So, unfortunately, there's no way to quantify this. Uh, there's no way to know what it would have been if they had played more in, in that game yesterday. But I think a major takeaway from yesterday is that this late in the season, with this just murderous, murder's row stretch coming up, we got Dalton Kinnett, Zakai Ziegler, uh, Josiah Jordan-James, really those three, and Santi, we got them almost an entire half of bas- basketball's worth of rest. Uh, that That's going to be huge, that rest that they got going forward. And unfortunately, like I said, we, we will never know uh, just how beneficial that was. Um, but I, I have to think that that was helpful moving forward. Um, it's got to be. Um, so... Uh, what do you mean, Zach? Zach said, does it really, though? Does it really help us, or what What do you mean? Um, so Zach's going to clarify that for us. So, our last, so we've talked about hockey's South Championship, whatever that is. I'm, I'm, so somebody let us know in the comments. Somebody look that up for us. What is that? <laughs> uh, the hockey team won the South Championship today, whatever, whatever that is. Um, so somebody let us know in the comments, uh, we talked about lady Vols. We talked about the lady Vols softball team getting, uh, Oh, Zach was saying, does it really get harder though? Well, it does. So Zach, just so you know, here's their upcoming schedule next Saturday. They got Texas A&M at home. I don't think Texas A&M will shoot as well as they did last time, but after that, then they've got, uh, they have Alabama, not necessarily in this order. I think it might be though, Alabama. Auburn, South Carolina, and Kentucky to end the season. That is not an easy stretch. <laughs> that is not an easy stretch. So uh, let's move on to baseball because that's that's what they're literally playing right now. Uh, Zach gave us an update. They're currently up six to five. We were up six to three. They're currently playing Baylor in uh, the Texas Rangers Stadium. They've had two games this weekend. We're one and one on the weekend. Uh, Rustin, what were your thoughts about what we've seen so far from the baseball team? I think it's been interesting. Um, it was nice to see them respond today. They've come out with their bats hot. Unfortunately, we started Xander Seacrest, and then he got ripped and knocked off the mound. We went to Nate Sneed, the transfer from Wichita State. He hasn't fared much better. He's struggling to throw strikes right now. Um, so it's been, I think probably what's been most interesting to me all weekend is how we have patterned pitching and 
and what what I have seen going from AJ Russell to AJ Causey on Friday. A lot of people thought Causey was going to be the number three starter, so that was a little surprising. Um, going from that to yesterday, this weekend, <laughs> it's I think it's all up for grabs right now. I think they're still trying to figure it out. Um, going from that to yesterday, Drew Beam giving way to Marcus Phillips, which was interesting. True sophomore Juco transfer um, throws mid to high 90s, big physical guy. Um, was kind of surprised to see him come in yesterday as, as soon as he did. Um, and then went from him to, uh, oh. Was it Sean Combs? No, Aaron Combs. So Aaron Combs Aaron came Combs. in last. Before that, it was the transfer from um, – I'm blanking. Um, hang on. Well, while you're looking that up, it's interesting that the Friday night game, Tony Vitello after the game said that the plan was actually to go AJ, AJ, Combs. Yeah. That was the plan, but both AJs were throwing so well they didn't need Combs. Right. So uh, Chris Stamos um, was who I was trying to think of. So they went Marcus Phillips, big physical right-hander. Then Chris Stamos, who is a smaller kind of crafty left-hander, you know, and and he's a a transfer from um, Cal. And then went from him to Aaron Combs, who ended up blowing the, the game. Uh, but then after that, what was even more interesting was we went Matthew Dallas and then Derek and then true freshman, with, who, who's a true freshman, and then uh, Derek Schaefer, who's a true freshman. Um, and Derek Schaefer um, gave up another run, but at that point it didn't matter. Aaron Combs had already blown it in the 10th. But um, it was just interesting. The guys were rolling out there and the situations were rolling them out there in. And, you know, there's guys like Kirby Cannell that we still haven't still haven't seen. And maybe he's going to fill that closer role. Um, but it's just it's interesting how they're going with guys. Um, I think they know who their one and two are. That's very obvious. A.J. Russell was crazy dominant. Drew Beam did a heck of a job. Um, one and two is not a question. But number three is a big question mark. And I would not be surprised if it ends up being A.J. Causey. Um, but they've got other options and, and it'll be interesting to see moving forward, how they, how they position this. Um, you know, the other thing I would say is it was amazing to me that last night after they lost to a big time program and extra innings with freshman pitchers on the mound, people were losing their mind. It's like, folks, it's February. Like no one cares what happens in college baseball in February. Honestly, no one cares what happens in college baseball in most of March. Um, and now the way the polls are done now, once they get into conference play, nobody cares what happens in college baseball from Monday to Thursday. Like none of those midweek games matter once you're in conference play and nothing before conference play matters in the slightest. Um, this is just for fun. Like these are all glorified scrimmages. And, you know, all you're really doing is setting yourself up for seeding at the end of the season. But all that really matters for SEC baseball is Friday, Saturday, Sunday in conference play. That's it. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was thinking the exact same thing. 
So I saw where one person tweeted, we're not sniffing Omaha this year after the game last night. I was like, wait, 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 wait. We went nine innings and gave up one run. <laughs> we went nine in college baseball where they're using metal bats. We went nine innings and gave up one run. And you're concerned that we're not, you know, sniffing Omaha. I'm like, what in the world? Uh, so that shocked me. I was like, that's, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And, they, um, and they've still got, they've still got a lot of stuff to figure out. Like they're still trying to figure out where should people be in the batting order? Who, who are the best three outfielders? How in the world do we rotate three quality catchers who all need to play? I mean, Dalton yeah. Bargo, Dalton Bargo didn't hardly step on the field Friday and Saturday and started in the four hole today. Um, you know, that dude can hit and they've got to find a way to get him on the field. Robin Villeneuve started at DH on Friday and hasn't played since. Like You said his name right. Yeah, he's French Canadian. Yeah, for those of you who are wondering, he's French Canadian, so it's Villeneuve. It is not Villanueva. He is not Hispanic. Um, so just so, just so you're aware, public service announcement. Um, da, 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 the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so they're, they're still trying to figure this stuff out. And honestly... I think they've got a I think they've got a big time catcher in Cannon Peebles. Like that guy's gonna oh, be in the sure. lineup every day, yeah. whether it's behind the plate or DHing. But the one thing we learned yesterday, Cal Stark has gotten significantly better. And defensively, he might be their best catcher. So they're gonna have to figure out how in the world they can get both those guys in the game. And oh, by the way, Stone Lawless is sitting on the bench, who might be the top freshman catcher in America. So how do you get that guy in? Um, you know, it's 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 going to be tough. They've got a lot to figure out. It's certainly a different situation behind the plate than it was last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Carl said, hey, guys. Uh, hey, Carl, we're glad you're with us. But he said, can't stay watching Vols Baylor 6-5, top of the fourth, coming up Vols to bat. So they must uh, – that sounds good. But, hey, we appreciate you joining us, Carl. Um, Carl, did you spend thirty dollars on Flow Baseball? He hadn't missed a game in three years, so I guarantee he did. Carl's the reason the NCAA created that garbage. He's <laughs> he's funding the conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a that's a good streak he's got going there. Uh, Zach Zach made a good point. He said this first triple play in almost in thirty years or something like that. Yeah, I think in ninety six, maybe ninety six was the last time. I can't remember. Ninety seven, yeah, ninety seven. That was close. Um, so that's if you haven't seen it yet, that was an awesome triple play yesterday. And kudos to Cal Stark because he's the one yeah. letting the pitcher know two, two, two. You can you can see it on the replay. Uh, he immediately hops up and is immediately pointing the second as soon as dude caught the ball. Um, I can't remember who was on the mound at the time. Chris Stamos. There you go. Uh, so, I mean, as soon as he caught it, Cal Stark was telling him two, two, two. Uh, and then, you know, heads up play by um, Christian Moore when he caught it. He didn't try to throw it back to first. He just turned around <laughs> and tagged the guy. So he good, good on, on him for that. He stepped on the bag and then tagged the guy, and then he wasn't sure. Wait, was that the right order? And then he tagged the guy again. <laughs> he, well, he wasn't think, sure what was going on. I think what it was was he didn't. I don't think he saw the umpire call the second guy out. 
mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a bang bang kind of thing. Like he tagged him, but the guy got his foot back on the base, which it doesn't matter that his foot was on the base anyway, because it was the wrong base. <laughs> he had to go back to first base. Um, and so when Dalton or not when Dalton, uh, I'm thinking basketball, <laughs> uh, when Christian Moore didn't, I don't think he saw the umpire call him out. So he went back and cause he like looked at the umpire, like, like, you know, did I get him too? You know? And then he went over and tagged him again. Um, and then also in the same game, uh, Drew Bean picks a guy off at first base. So two really cool defensive play. And you had Dylan Drawling making the layout grab in left field. So three really great defensive plays. Oh, and like on the first inning, uh, Billy Amick over at third base. Yeah. Awesome play moving to his right on down the line. Uh, so, I mean, defensively, we are smoking right now, which is stark contrast to last year uh, for the first half of the season defensively. Um, let's see here. Uh, Big Orange Vol, welcome, buddy. Good to have you. He said Vol's uh, right now upper six to five. Oh, Sean, you are the man, buddy. He's exactly right. He said, does no one remember how last year started? Sean's exactly right. Tennessee went out to that tournament. It was in Arizona last year, and they went 0-3 for the weekend. Um, did not play well, had some very concerning defensive things going on. And we're already seeing that change this year, which is, I mean, that's huge for this team. Uh, big orange ball said playing Baylor, trying to bounce back. Absolutely. Our batting lineup is stacked 100%. Uh, Kavar's tears hits the opposite field, three run home run tonight. Uh, that's how we got on the board to start with. Billy uh, Amick just barely missed a three-run bomb. He hit a triple off the top of the wall that oh, wow. um, ended up being a two-run triple, and about a foot higher it would have been a three-run home run. So that must have been after we went live then? Yep. Because I haven't seen anything since we went live. That's why I'm relying on you and these folks in the comments letting us know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I've got too many other things on my screens right now. I'm monitoring here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Zach said, we're going to be two and one coming out of Texas. I agree. I agree with you. And that's huge. I mean, that's a great start to the season. Um, if we can keep ball. hitting it, if we can either keep hitting or start getting some outs right now, this is a slug yeah. fest and neither team's pitchers are doing much of anything. Um, big orange ball said, well, we will be the Oma Vols again. I mean, if, if, if they can figure out that third rotation spot. So what's interesting was you mentioned the closer because we haven't seen Kirby Canell yet this, this weekend. Now what's interesting is when you think about what Vitello said after the Friday night game, and then what happened at the end, uh, well, what should have been the end of the Saturday game, he said the plan Friday night was AJ, AJ Combs. So Combs was supposed to finish out that game. Then he's the guy who came in in essentially a closer role against uh, who we play yesterday, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my, yeah, um, he came in in that closer role against them yesterday. So it almost sounds like they had an idea that he was might be the closer role this year. But maybe that sidearm action, I don't know. But um, yeah. I think I think they like his arm slot, but I think what they're going to find is he's probably going to be better as a setup man for Kirby because if you can bring him in the eighth, throwing at that weird arm angle really hard, and then all of a sudden in the ninth, bringing Kirby, throwing curveballs that do this, yeah. and you know, throwing gravity pitches, um, 
for those of you who don't know, that's a ball that's going so slow. Gravity pulls it down. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when he's throwing like that, it's hard to adjust. Um, so here, here's my thing with it. You mentioned the pitching rotation that we've seen so far this, this weekend, the thing that would concern me the most about what we've seen as far as who's been in when, and I think I'm I'm hoping that yesterday kind of threw a wrench into their plans for today, but you don't want Xander Seacrest and Kirby to throw in the same game, in my opinion, because they're too similar. Yeah. Um, Kirby is so different than most people that you see, except Xander Seacrest. Uh, they're both left-handed. They both have pretty big swooping curveballs, especially Kirby. So, you know, in, in that situation, it's like the Barry Zito curveball kind of thing with Kirby. So, you know, in that situation, you would almost think, man, if they have A.J. Russell or A.J. Causey up there throwing, and then you come in with this totally different left-hander that's throwing these big, you know, 11 to 4 curveballs, that kind of thing, that's totally different. I mean, I mean, you if they bring in that for one inning, you can't adjust that fast in one inning. You just can't. Uh, who was the dude? Phillips, the guy that was the Juco transfer that was throwing 98? Marcus Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so if you have him in the game and then you bring in Kirby Cannell, <laughs> no one can adjust that fast. Nobody. Like, it's, it's not possible. So – you would love to see that back to back in some games. And and this is nothing about baseball that people just have to wrap their minds around. You know, yesterday I think we left 12 runners on base. Um today we're not yeah. doing that. We're getting hits in timely timely places. You know, Christian Moore just hit a two out, two RBI double to make it eight to five. Awesome. Um, you know, we're not we're not stranding awesome. guys today. But, you know, it's it is what it is. Some days you just can't get a timely hit. Hey, Carl, we appreciate the updates, man. Keep them coming, buddy. We love it. Um, he he put that on there right before Christian got his hit there. Uh, Big Orange Ball said, I love Big Orange Baseball. I like baseball quite a bit better than softball, respectfully. Totally understand that. Um, I was just giving you a hard time about flow baseball. I, I, I will not buy it on principle. Um, <laughs> but for those of you who don't know what flow baseball is, in college, in all college sports, there used to be a platform that every team had to record two angles of every game and you would share it on the platform and your competitors could use it as scouting video for a certain period of time and then it would be taken off the platform. The NCAA, in its incredible greed, decided that an even better use of that would be we'll turn it into this product that people can buy at an insanely high price of $30 a month which is why sometimes, and basically it televises all the games that ESPN doesn't pick up and division two and division three and, you know, all the different levels. So people's families can watch wherever they are, but they pay an arm and a leg to get to do it. Um, but that's why sometimes if you watch it, it, well, all the time, if you watch it, you'll notice there's only two camera angles. Sometimes there'll be an announcer and that's only if the home team decides that they want to let some grad assistant or some intern announce the game sometimes you're just literally watching a silent movie there's no sound at all you're just watching a camera that never moves um 
because it was never intended to be a live stream. It was intended to be a scouting video. Um, so not a fan of flow baseball because just on the principle of it, I'm not supporting the NCAA like that. <laughs> um, big orange Vol said, I hope the Tennessee versus Florida football game this year will be a night game. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so we can fully return the favor in fashion. <laughs> I love that idea. Big orange Vol. I love it. And we already know that's going to be a Manning cast game. Uh, so that'd be really, really cool to see that be a night game and have Peyton calling it. Talk about a great, great evening for a Tennessee fan, man. That's a, that'd be a great evening. I'm sure it'll uh, be a night game. ESPN's not going to lose the ratings on, on having a Manning cast during the day. That's yeah. gotta be a night game. Zach, let us know it's eight to five after Christian Moore RBI. I appreciate that. Zach, uh, big orange ball said, let's go baseball zone of all totally agree, buddy. Um, uh, Carl, let us know. Simo doubles, bringing in two runs. Dalton Dalton Bargo strikes out by eight to five balls. Um, Big Orange Ball said football, basketball, then baseball. Um, Zach said, "Don't hate me for saying this, but I love baseball and softball more than football. But I do love football too. <laughs> we don't hate you, Zach. Man, it's cool, man. <laughs> um, let's see." Uh, let's see here. I'm going to try to catch up. Um, all right. So that's pretty much everything. Uh, so whoops, I just kicked my camera back. It there. Um, so huge weekend, hopefully Tennessee's baseball team. Um, Oh, Tony has a great question. Hey, Tony, welcome. Good to have you, buddy. Uh, good to have you, man. He said, uh, y'all think we have two new assistant coaches by the end of next week? That's a great question. Uh, so Brent Hubbs actually ran an article on this today, and um, I was kind of surprised by what it said, honestly. Um, I think running backs coach, yes, you will have that here pretty soon. I really felt like it was going to be Matt Merritt. Um, apparently, Matt Merritt said no. Um, and it's going to be one of either Carlos Lachlan, who's the running backs coach at Oregon, or uh, Anthony Jones, who's the running backs coach at TCU. Weirdly, they both have two things in common. They have both coached in Memphis, and they both played college football at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, um, which is a weird Go Mox, baby. <laughs> weird coincidence that two guys in two completely separate realms of the country are both the the short list for the Tennessee running backs job. And both of them played football at UTC. Um, but the bigger thing is they both have recruiting ties in Memphis. And that's what, that's what Josh Heupel wants to replace. Um, the only name that has surfaced for linebacker coach, and it sounds like that's going to be a longer search is uh, Roy Manning at USC. Um, he also coached at Michigan for a little while with, with, uh, with uh no i'm sorry he coached at cincinnati with tim banks there he has ties to the michigan staff and to several members of of the defensive staff at tennessee uh, apparently he has interviewed uh, but that's the only name that's out there right now so that one that one's going to be a little more interesting but i think it's the way it, the way brent hub said it, it sounds like it's going to be a while on linebacker but running back could be done soon Well, um, that's a great question, Tony. Thank you so much for asking that. Uh, that's a very good question. 
and uh, I learned some stuff there too. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a great, great question. Um, so, uh, if anybody finds out what the ice hockey, uh, <laughs> South championship is, uh, if you can comment that, um, that'd be awesome at some point. Isn't ice, do- hockey, isn't ice hockey a club sport at Tennessee? I have no clue. <laughs> I, believe, I believe so. And if it is that South champion is just some made up championship for club sports. Yeah. I, I don't know. They got cool uniforms. I know that much. Uh, like I never even thought about buying a hockey Jersey, but then when they released that one that they had, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. It had the vol script on the front of it. That was a cool looking Jersey, man. I was mm-hmm. like, man, I've never been tempted to buy a hockey Jersey, but I might buy that. <laughs> Yeah, hockey's not listed as a varsity sport at Tennessee, so it's a club. So that championship would be like the Southeastern University's club championship. Hey, there we go. Uh, go go Ice Falls. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, we appreciate everybody joining us tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, certainly going to be a huge week of Tennessee sports moving forward because we have obviously two basketball games this week way more college baseball and softball and lady vols basketball. And we have two coaching positions on the football team that we're looking for. Uh, apparently Billy Amick just hit a solo home run. Hmm. So big orange vol said Billy Amick or Clemson transfer. Oh, yes, he did. With a solo. Hey, thank you. Big orange vol. We appreciate that very much. He is killing the ball and yeah. in three games in three games. He's got two home runs, a triple and a double. Like that dude is mashing right now. And that first home run was opposite field home run. It was pretty. Well, we appreciate everybody. Go ahead. People, people at the game are saying this one was absolutely crushed that he, he destroyed this ball. Uh, Big orange ball said this batting lineup is insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what's crazy is this is the third lineup this weekend, and there's some guys that are probably some of our best hitters that aren't in it because they're giving other guys a shot today. That's that's what I was saying earlier. Like It's going to be really hard for them to figure out how to get their best nine in the lineup because on any given day, it could be any one of 15 or 16 guys. Absolutely. Uh, Big Orange Vol said... Y'all are very knowledgeable about Tennessee sports, man. Respect. Hey, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you're very kind. We appreciate that. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, Peggy, welcome, Peggy. Uh, she said, go balls, go. Absolutely. Hey, well, great to have you. So I'm talking about um, Zach said, and Billy Emmett came from the fake orange. <laughs> he came from Clemson. Um, historically, a great baseball school. So uh, it's good to have him on the roster, no doubt, because he's directly responsible for two very uh, important runs, home runs in the in the in the weekend so far. So, okay, I know it's with a metal bat, but apparently Billy Amick's home run went into the second deck at Ranger Stadium. Which, if any of you have ever seen Ranger Stadium. The second deck there is a long way from the field. Like, I guarantee you, as soon as he hit that ball, there was a bunch of major league scouts scribbling in notebooks because that that is a shot. Well, let's hope that they can finish it out 
Um, we're in the fifth or sixth inning at this point. Um, still in the fifth. Okay. Holy cow. So if you want to see it, Ben McKee just tweeted a video of it. Um, and StatCast has it at 112 miles per hour off the bat. 425 yeah. 425 feet that's a bomb <laughs> so here is here is tennessee baseball's uh thing and they said okay billy we get it you're really good at baseball <laughs> absolutely mashed is what it says shoulders with kurt schilling and david ortiz and manny ramirez um Whoa, yeah, that is not <laughs> that is not where you want to throw him a pitch. Run for Tennessee, who have mashed a bunch of balls all weekend. Holy and cow! One off the bat, the second the second deck at Rangers at the Rangers Stadium is a long like that's not a hitter stadium. If you hit a home run there at all, you hit a you hit a bomb. You hit it in the second deck there. That's out of every stadium in America by a lot. Could you hear the audio when I shared that just then? Yeah. Hey, the sound it made when it left the bat. Woo. <laughs> yeah. That was a no uh, doubter. Big Orange of all said we got some studs, man. Yeah, we do. <laughs> You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. You're exactly. You do not. How how frustrating would it be to try to pitch to this lineup? That's the that's the thing. I mean, it's just I mean, where do you where do you try to find outs? You know, I mean, like it's. That's a tough lineup to pitch against. Nuts. We appreciate we appreciate everybody joining us. I'm going to sign off here and go follow this game as well. So uh, we hope everybody has a great, great evening. Uh, basketball's back in action Tuesday night at Missouri. So hopefully we walk away from Columbia with a win. Uh, but like Rustin said, Missouri did put up quite a battle against Ole Miss yesterday. Uh, they were winning at halftime. Kind of surprised Only, some people that they were winning yeah. at halftime. Only lost by three. It came down to the yep. final two possessions. So, tough test on the road in the SEC. There's never an easy game uh, in the SEC. So, that's Tuesday night. We will be ready to talk about that. And go, uh, Happy to see everybody on Thursday night, like always. Big Orange Vol said, good night all and go Big Orange. Absolutely, buddy. Go Big Orange. Um Zach said that the Vols will win Tuesday, 500 to 32. <laughs> that might be some kind of record. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Both walk-ons uh, would score in that game. Yeah, for real. About 50 each. <laughs> um, We hope everybody has a great evening. We hope everybody has a great week ahead of you. Uh, go Vols, baby, and we will see all of you Thursday night. Have a great evening, everybody.